story. You see, in World War I, December the 7th, 1941, was when Pearl Harbor was bombed. There was a misunderstanding in that town on December the 25th, Christmas Day. They were told that it would be the men and the National Guard of Nebraska that would be passing through their station, the Union Pacific Station there in North Platte. And rumors spread around town of 12,000 people that that was taking place on Christmas Day. The ladies gathered together homemade cookies and food, fried chicken. They loaded their baskets and they began to make their way to the station. They wanted to give their fellow citizens of Nebraska a send-off and wish them well and simply let them know that they were praying for them during the war and that they hoped they'd be home real soon. But as the train arrived, the ladies walked up and down the station asking in the various windows, Are you from Nebraska? No. The answer came back every time. We're from Kansas. And finally, in that short stop there at that station, Ray Wilson said, Well, I'm not taking my cookies home. I'm going to give them to the men. I don't care where they're from. And the ladies began to unload their baskets. And the men smiled. And the cheer that it brought to their face was not forgotten. Instead, immediately, Ray sat down and wrote an article for the newspaper that suggested that every military train that came through North Platte, Nebraska, ought to receive the same kind of welcome, the same generous spirit as these men and women would go off to battle for our freedom. And the response was absolutely amazing. Before the war was over, men and women would travel from as far as 200 miles away to work a 10-hour day and sometime even to stay for a month. They would bake and they would prepare. And every train that stopped, and sometimes it was as many as 25 trains a day, they were welcomed into what became the canteen of North Platte, Nebraska. You see, as they would enter into that canteen, there would be tables of kindness spread all around that big room. There would be tables of homemade chicken and homemade cakes and homemade cookies. There would even be tables set up for reading material for them to go back and to board the train again so that they'd have a magazine or a newspaper or even the Holy Bible to read. And for the men that were too injured to to get off the train, the ladies would load their baskets and they would quickly load the train and they would go up and down the aisles and they would give away their goods there. They'd always give a hug. They would tell them how much they loved and appreciated them and to say, God bless you. You see, as this continued to take place throughout the time, the time was very short. As a matter of fact, Sometimes the train only stopped for five minutes, other times ten. And sometimes some guest had as long as 30 minutes. But there are many stories like the one that I'm about to share with you. He graduated from Brooklyn High School on the weekend, and Monday he enlisted on Tuesday. They boarded him on a train. He rode for three days, setting up straight, no shower, eating the K rations. And finally, in the middle of the night, someone said... It's North Platte, Nebraska. 
Never heard of that place at all. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but it kept going up and down the aisle. And so everyone immediately, with smiles on their faces, jumped off of that train knowing they only had 10 minutes. Said when we walked into that room, we saw women that were like our sisters and our cousins. We saw women that were like our mothers and our aunts. And before us, they had tables of food. They gave us hugs. They wished us well. We boarded that train. And even though it was only five minutes, he said in France when the mortar shells were dropping, he said then there would be a lull. And you would hear someone in the darkness say, what I'd give to have five minutes in North Platte, Nebraska right now. He said that kindness gave us courage to face the rest of our days. When a book was being written about North Platte, Nebraska, men were being interviewed that were 85 years old. And man after man would cry. And the one interviewing would say, Why are you crying? And he said, Do you have any idea what it is to be on a train for three days and to be scared stiff? And to have someone in a place you've never been, people you've never met, to offer you their goods in a time that America's goods were rationed, and to give you a hug, and to fill your soul and your spirit, and to send us on to a place that we'd never been. One woman in Denver heard of this for the very first time a few years ago. She said, you know, my grandfather, he fought in World War II. I'm going to call him and I'm going to ask him. She called the nursing home where he lived. By this time, he had dementia. Rarely did he know his family. But when he answered the phone, she said, Granddaddy, this is Jennifer. What does the name North Platte, Nebraska mean to you? He immediately became lucid. And he said, North Platte, Nebraska. You bet it means something to me. I went in there and they gave me sandwiches, donuts, and coffee. They shined my shoes. You bet I remember. North Platte, Nebraska. What is it that causes men to remember with tears in their eyes something that took place well over 60 years ago? Friends, it's the simple act of kindness. I would suggest to you this morning that kindness is probably one of the most underrated topics of Scripture. Kindness is probably one of the most underrated characteristics of God. Kindness is one of those things that we not only must have, but we must understand that it is a command of God and that it is a result of all that God has planned on us becoming. In the text for this morning in Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse 32, he plainly says, and be kind to one another. 
It's that simple. God says, this is what I have in mind for my children to look like. Be kind to one another. And this month, we want to bring emphasis to something that should be our life at all times. It should be not just what we do, but who we are, as has already been mentioned in the prayer this morning. We want to remind all of ourselves how important kindness is. And to do that, I'd like to ask any of you that are sitting on the ends of the aisles, on, on one of the ends of your bench, you're going to see a stack of cards that are business size. And if you will, take those and, and take them out of the, the rubber band there. And it should be on the corners of, of each of the pews. And if you will, pull out 10 cards and pass it to the person beside you so that they can pull out 10 cards and pass it to the person beside them. And as you're doing that, you're going to notice that this card is designed to be very simple as it reads. We hope this small act of service shows you God's love in a practical way. And then at the bottom is our address and our website. And what we hope you'll do during the month of August is we hope that you will take these 10 cards and throughout the month when you do something kind for someone, instead of taking the credit yourself, hand them a card and give the glory to God so that they can know where it is that we have received this kind of heart for kindness. Well, what is it that you could do? Well, what's interesting is we actually have a website set up. You can go to that website off of our main website, the mountjuliet.org site. You will see simple acts of kindness. Click on that, or if you go to the mountjuliet.org slash kindness, you can arrive to it at that destination also. And there will be places that we would ask you to anonymously comment on what you did for someone else and what their response was as you gave them a card, if in fact they even knew that you were the one doing the act of kindness. It's going to be so interesting reading over the next month to see how individuals have come up with ways to glorify God in their acts of kindness. Now, we can read to you a list of a few things, but of course there are literally thousands of things you can do. One, you could help the homeless. You could visit a shut-in. You could help a young parent with babysitting. You could give to a godly cause. You could leave an inspiring book with this card in it on a train, in a waiting room, a public place. You could send a flower to your mother. You could buy someone's lunch. You could give away your umbrella on a rainy day. You could write a note, read in an elementary class, give a gift card to an unemployed you can leave $10 at the video store for late fees of the next person. You can mow a lawn, wash a car, bring neighbor's garbage cans in from the street, buy the cashier a soda, take cookies to your neighbor, clean a yard of a needy person, pick up litter on your street, take your teacher an apple, volunteer at the Nashville Mission or a soup line somewhere, leave enough money in a vending machine for the next person, and tape the card to the machine. Tell your boss that they're appreciated. Drop off cookies to the fire department. Donate time to the senior citizen center. Give blood. Visit a nursing home. Visit a jail or prison. Pick up trash at the park. Buy new books for a daycare. Help someone who's dropped something. Call a lonely person. Give a ride. Smile. 
by all means, take your buggies back to where they belong. What is it that you'll do? Not that any of us surely would stop at 10 acts of kindness over a 30-day period of time. But what is it that you'll do that maybe you wouldn't have normally done? What is it that you'll do to reach out, to make a difference in someone's life with an act of kindness? That brings us to something very important, and that is how would you define kindness? It's interesting as we look through the Scriptures and study kindness, when we see kindness out of the Old Testament, it is heavily linked to mercy. Whether or not someone is going to be merciful is tied to kindness. But as we look at all the various passages, we could walk away with this understanding. It's caring about others enough to show them. It involves benevolence, gentleness, graciousness, and generosity. But what kindness always is, is it is an action. Kindness never stops at a thought. If it does, it's not kindness. Kindness is all of these things in action. And perhaps one of the greatest understandings of kindness is to understand first and foremost, who is God? This morning we're going to do a topical study, and for that reason we're going to look at several verses very quickly. I hope you'll turn with me. If you will be turning to the book of Nehemiah, it's on page 437 in the Bibles that are there in your pew. And for the next few passages, let's think about this. Who is God? Maybe this idea of us giving our extra to become people of genuine kindness would mean more to us if we recognize the fact that God is kind. Now notice, I didn't just say that God does kind things. God is kind. And and I would challenge each of us as we look over the new covenant, we're going to see that we are to be kind. Not just do kind things, but to be kind. But notice, that goes against our human nature. You see, if we were defining kindness from a worldly standpoint... It would be choosing the better part of ourselves. In other words, within ourself is always, uh, not maybe always, but from time to time there is a desire to do something good for someone. In other words, you and I could go in the community and we could find someone who is not a Christian. We could find an atheist who on one hand will do something kind. Well, what makes us as Christians different from them? And the difference lies in the fact that we are not pulling from a fleshly nature that says, I want to find the good side of myself and try to render that to someone else. When we look at kindness from the spiritual aspect, it is literally a decision that says, I'm going to do what is right and best because that's who my God is. My God is kind, and I want to reflect that kindness to others. Let's see how this looks in the Scriptures. Look with me, if you will, Nehemiah, the ninth chapter. Remember the book of Nehemiah? He came back, he helped to build back the wall after the Babylonian captivity. And then in in the eighth chapter, Ezra stood up to read the law and, and they had had a few generation gaps between knowing the law. And so they were shocked when they learned how far away from righteousness that they were. And so they began to cry. And now we see confessions in the ninth chapter. And here's a confession. Verse 17 is a long verse, but notice this. They're talking about their history. And they said, they refused to obey. And they were not mindful of your wonders, talking to God, that you did among them. But they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. 
Isn't that interesting? What if I asked you this morning, before we ever did this lesson, take out a piece of paper and give me a description of God. And what if you turned in that piece of paper and you had said nothing about God is abundantly kind? What if you said nothing about the fact that God is kind? And I said, hey, that's, that's not enough. Go ahead and fill out some more. Who is God? You would write some more. Would you hand it back in the next time saying, God is kind? In other words, a simple point I wanted to ask you, when you think of God, does kindness come to the forefront of your mind to realize that God is introduced to us? The, the things we know about God are the things that are revealed. And even going back to the Old Testament, we say, God, who are you? Yes, he is gracious. He is merciful. But notice, when we have a greater description, abundantly kind. Abundant is the idea of overflowing. God did not give up on the children of Israel. When they decided they would go back to Egypt and rejoin their bondage, God did not give up with them and say, go ahead. Instead, he continued to practice mercy and kindness toward them. Look over in the book of Psalm, if you will. Psalm 36. We'll notice verse 8 and 9. Psalm 36, verse 8 and 9. In your pew Bible, that's going to be on about 498 or 499. And notice this description that the psalmist gives of the Lord. How precious, this is Psalm 36 and 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. Now notice, here we have the idea of God gives us so much. Well, how much does he give us? He gives us the abundance of pleasure. In other words, the things that we would say... Do you realize we're not going to go in a store and buy what we need spiritually? Can you imagine shopping around for a piece that passes understanding? Can you imagine trying to go and buy redemption? Can you imagine going to the yellow pages and saying, I want to find purpose for life? The only way we're going to find all of those things is by finding what God offers us. And the psalmist is referring to all of that satisfaction, all of that fulfillment, all of that genuine pleasure that God brings into the lives of his children. And he begins all of this by offsetting it with the beginning of seven. How precious is your loving kindness. Why do we have a fulfillment of purpose? Why do we have satisfaction in the soul? Why do we have the gift of knowing that we are God's children and we're at peace with that. The only reason we know it is because God is kind. That's what the psalmist is saying. It's all because God is kind. Look deeper in the book of Psalm. Look at verse, uh, chapter 63, verse 3. Chapter 63, verse 3. Notice what he says in Psalm 63 and verse 3. He's talked about in the first couple of verses about God being our God and we thirst for him, we long for him. And then 63 and 3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. When's the last time you've praised God because he's kind? When's the last time you thought, you know, if I had to choose between my life on this earth or all the kindness that God offers me, I would choose his kindness every time because it's better than anything that I experience in this physical life. Look with me, if you will, to the book of Titus. Titus, the first chapter. Titus, the first chapter. There's something real interesting the way this is laid out. Verse 1 and 2 tells about kind things that we would do in our life. Look in Titus, the third chapter, verse 1 and 2. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Isn't that kind? To be ready for every good work. 
Verse 2, to speak evil of no one, that's kind, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Now, this is offset by what we used to be. Now, notice, see, we're talking about now that we're not a part of the world anymore, now that we're a part of a relationship with a kind father. He says in verse 4, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, uh, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy. You see, that's not kind. Hateful and hating one another, that's not kind. So why are things so different here? Well, it goes to verse 4. It's because of the God we serve. But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, and he writes on, but do you realize he's talking about here, Jesus Christ being sent to this earth has made all the difference. Now, We're kind and we're genuine people. Whereas before Jesus Christ came into our life, we were not. Now, how do you describe the coming of Jesus? John 3 and 16 describes, for God so loved the world. Here, as we read in Titus, the third chapter, he would say, for God had kindness towards the world. It was an act of kindness. Now, what does that mean for us? As we bullet here some lists, I want you to just think in your mind for just a moment. If I were to say to you, what are some New Testament passages that have lists of characteristics that God expects His children to be? In other words, they're such a high priority, they're put out in list form. Or if you're going to say, what are some definitions? Now, it's not going to be a surprise, is it? Once we come through the Old Testament and the New Testament and we see that God is described as a kind God, it's not going to be a a surprise that almost every list that we see in the New Testament that we say is a pretty comprehensive list of what God wants us to be. Isn't it awesome how kindness is in that list? For example, in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, we have the definition of love in verses 4, 5, 6, 7, in the beginning of 8. And that love... That love begins with the definition, love suffers long and is kind. We turn over to Colossians, the third chapter, and the third chapter begins in verse 1 by saying, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, and the rest of the chapter kind of plays off of that outline to say, since we've been risen, we've come out of the waters of baptism, and now we're a new creation. Now, that old man is put to death, and the new man, well, who is this new man? It's the man that is following the image of our Father. Who is our Father? He is a kind God. And so the rest of this chapter talks about things we take off and things that we put on. And several of the things, of course, all of the things that we take off, back in verse 8 and 9, those those are things that uh, they would be described as very unkind. But when we come down to the 12th 12th verse, notice what we put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, and he continues. When we look in Galatians, the fifth chapter, Galatians, the fifth chapter, our children have been singing a lot recently about the book of Galatians and the chapter five, because as they sing that this is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. And when we think about, well, what is it when the Spirit dwells in us and when we live in the Spirit and we are walking by the Spirit, as it says in verse 25, when, when we dwell in the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit, our life's going to be different. Well, how is our life going to be different? Notice verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, etc. Now, let's close looking at these lists in, in 2 Peter. Look with me, if you will, 2 Peter, and, and you'll probably remember 2 Peter by what we sometimes term it as the list of virtues. 
where he says, hey, if you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to be faithful, here's some things that you add. You do diligence to add to these things into your life. In 2 Peter 1, beginning at verse 5, he says, but also for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. Now notice this, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. When we think about what God wants for man, we read in Proverbs, the 19th chapter and 22, what is desired in a man is kindness. God, say that again to us. What is desired in a man is kindness. Now, let's pause here for just a moment. Somebody says, oh, but you see, you don't understand that. That's kind of not my nature. I'm just not the kind to go about thinking about others. Hey, that's what all of us are without Jesus. That's the whole plea this morning is, let's take on the nature of our Father. If we truly have been created anew in Jesus Christ, now we don't, we don't think of others and we don't esteem others because, oh, I'm bringing out the better side of myself. It has nothing to do with ourself. We do it wholly because we have crucified self and we've taken on ourselves the nature of God. And when we think about what he says to women in Proverbs 31, this is the virtuous woman in 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. This morning, I want to ask you, how well does kindness describe your life? I would think that within this congregation, that most, if not all, could be described as kind. But what I want to challenge you to do, especially this month in your thinking, is to realize that ultimately what our kindness is supposed to accomplish is helping other people see the Father of kindness better. It's not about us going out and and doing something of kindness so that we can start looking like a kind person. It's so people can see the kind Father who has so much to offer them. When you see others... What is a good reason to show kindness? I'd like for you this month especially to be thinking about their eternity. Where will they spend eternity? And you say, oh, but God's loving kindness offers them so much. Why don't they accept it? How are they going to see God's loving kindness? One of the greatest ways for individuals to see God's loving kindness is first to see it in His children. And the children glorify the Father. And it draws attention to God. What is it that you'll do? What ten things will you do? And give God the glory. I look forward to seeing all that God has in store for us as a congregation. This year, especially as there have been so many efforts to reach out into the community, it is amazing to see faces of our neighbors and to hear their words of gratitude as they're starting to see God a little more clearly. This morning, there's a God who in Romans, the 11th chapter, He tells us about His severity and about His goodness. And the goodness there in the original language 
is the very same word for kindness, for example, in Galatians, the fifth chapter. In other words, if we're going to say, God, what's the two angles you want us to see you from? He'd say, I want you to see me as a God who is severe. I will punish. I will condemn. But I also want you to see me as a God of kindness. I sent my son. I love you so much. I'm so kind to you. I want to save you. This morning, which one do you know best? The severity of God or the kindness of God? We hope that everybody leaves here this morning knowing the kindness of God. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is abundantly kind. If you've never been immersed into Christ for your mission of sins, you have never taken advantage of the kindest act that's ever been offered to you of Jesus Christ's salvation. Why not this morning? Maybe you have, and somewhere along the way you've lost the way. Won't you come back to God this morning? not only receiving the blessings of kindness, but then to leave here and to share that kindness with everybody that you come in contact with. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.